Welcome to Extraordinary Voices for Extraordinary Times, a monthly podcast brought to you by the University of Queensland Press in collaboration with the copyright agency Cultural Fund. My name is Ellen Van Nieuwen and I'm a Mullinjali writer speaking to you from unceded Turrbal and Yagara Dagen. Each episode, Omar Saker and I take turns hosting this podcast and go one-on-one with a different poet. We invite our guest poets to write a new responsive piece in a short amount of time while also giving ourselves the same challenge. This podcast will feature readings and conversations discussing these new works and how they address current issues. We're excited to provide a platform for poets we admire. Poetry is what we turn to in uncertain times. Poetry is a transformative force, a space for reckonings and for truth tellings. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Hani Abdillah. Hani is a writer, student and spoken word poet based in the country of the Gadigal people of the Aura Nation in Sydney. Hani was forced to leave her home country of Somalia and came to Australia seeking protection in 2014. During her 11 months in immigration detention, she found healing in poetry and developed a love for writing. Her first book of 43 poems, I Will Rise, was published by Writing Through Fences in 2016 and explores how the power of our collective voices can help shape the world to be a better place for the next generation. Honey has performed her work around Sydney and interstate and continues to write for freedom and human rights. Honey is an honorary member of Penn International, a lead member of Writing Through Fences and an ambassador for the Refugee Advice and Casework Services. She is currently studying for a degree in journalism and has received numerous awards for her community work and creative art. Welcome. How are you doing? How have you been? I've been good. I think, mm. uh, yeah, I've been good. We, we're like in a pretty crazy time. Mm. Yeah, the world is going a little bit crazy, but the world was already crazy. I think just us, like we didn't pay enough attention because the lot of the craziness of the world. But mm. other than that, I'm, I'm happy that I got poetry. Yeah, I know. I know. Me too. It's been quite a month, but also quite a year. Currently, we are recording this podcast while the US election votes have be, are being counted. We do not have a definite result, but by the time that you'll be listening to this podcast, there will be a result. We will know who the next US president is. It's very much been a kind of limbo year, like just that kind of holding pattern what does it mean to you? For me, poetry, I always call it is a weapon against the stress. <laughs> yeah. When you have poetry or a, or a piece of writing, either you write it or someone else write it, is, for me, is a process of healing. Like, you know, it's, mm. it's putting behind, like, you know, grievances of the past and but also feeling like you're not related to the future either. Like, you know, poetry mm. gives you that sense of safety most of the things that we admire in the world is becoming more uncertain and all that. We've been talking this week about some of the writers that we have been reading and that we love. Um, Have there been particular writers that you've been reading during this time? Ali Kubra-Hikman has been like amazing 
powered for me and I, and I identify her work. And as I was discussing with you the other day, it's like, even though she writes about her own experience, as I told you, it's like experience that can be applied to different people from different parts of the world. But it's like a piece of writing from two different continents that I always feel like, you know, I'm part of it every time, you know, I read it and I admire like, you know, the courage, the resilience within her work. And as I said, I also been reflecting on the life of Candy Royal. And, mm. you know, when I start poetry, like she was there and like, you know, um, she was one of the women that I've like literally so like, you know, perform and like give me that courage of like, yeah, you keep, you can keep going. Like, you know, it is the whole, I think like the whole year and the pandemic and, you know, the started of the lockdown, there was all that, um, uh, like, you know, Black Lives Matter was going on. And, and when you live in a temporary life, that means like, you know, the only thing that gives you voice is what you write and poetry. We're going to hear from you and your poem that you've been working on. Can't wait to hear you read this poem. Uh, would you be able to introduce us to it? So this poem is called Sadness and the Sea. Most of my poetry are based on human rights. So like I try to write more for human rights and trying to be able like to be a human right defender through creative writing and poetry. Six years ago when I came to Australia, I, I lived in immigration detention and like, you know, it was it was very hard. But, you know, the world is full of hope and full of obstacles. So we shouldn't complain that much because every time you have to remember, like, there's someone else, maybe in a, uh, you know, another, like, you know, better situation than you are. So I believe in the idea of, like, you know, be thankful for what you have. But sometimes you can be thankful for what you have, but you can't watch injustice walking through your door. <laughs> so this poem, I guess it's me describing how the world treats me. Sometimes it's kind to me, but sometimes it's a rocky road. I guess it's like just me vomiting my feelings in a piece of paper. <laughs> when they try to design my destiny, I block the windows, block the air, block the lights. I lock the doors and snack inside darkness. I become a victim of sadness. When I thought I had enough, they did not agree. They pushed me back into a solid rock. My wall crumbled. I forgot to smile. My mind recycling a thousand thoughts. My limbs become weak and heavy. I was shrinking into an empty space. But one night I went to a deep sleep and had a beautiful dream. In an adventure world, I heard a voice within a silent times. Sadness is the enemy of the soul. It will snap the meaning of life. Your struggle is a reminder, reminder of your weakness. Chase what you love, don't doubt. I felt like a raging sea, not just a bone and a blood. It was time to rise again. I smelt books, stories, and desert. I found passion to paint my past. I saw my life through another eye. I'm not a battle stone. I'm allowed to feel weak. And when this moment come again, I will slip her like a water from their palms. 
I won't make this life a narrow road. The sea will never kneel, even if the wind mourns forever. That was really beautiful. I had my eyes shut when you were reading and listening and really felt it deep in my soul. You know, my heart was sort of just pounding out of my chest and you really do have a special gift to be able to make us feel, to be able to make us listen, to be able to make us connect. And I'm so thankful to have you on this podcast. I know that your words will be inspiring new writers who might be listening. Would you mind sharing a little bit about, you know, when you wrote this poem and and how you wrote it? I wrote the poem actually like, you know, during like, you know, the like, the start of like a lockdown and like like after just it because I was during the lockdown there was a lot happening living here on a temporary like because I'm on a temporary protection visa and like being like temporarily protected and not be able to have a voice even though like you know I am physically free it's also feel like I'm a mentally enslaved like in my head through a system like you know and like all those things like black lives matter happening like you know people being on lockdown the rest of the world having a civil war going on so i was i was a bit confused and when i wrote this poem i felt like you know i won't say like voiceless but partly powerless you know when you're stuck and when you're temporary when you're a refugee there's all this little sense of a belonging that ran away from you. And I don't know where it went. You still have your identity. Using a sense of a belonging. Do you find your belonging through poetry? Poetry is, is my saviour. Like, it is something that I always, like, you know, come back to it. Like, you know, whenever every door closes, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, it's my happy place. <laughs> You're such a, a fixture. You, you perform quite often around Sydney and across Australia, um, you're part of this um, amazing spoken word scene that we have in Australia, which is largely, can I say, a mixture of of poets from um, backgrounds, migrant backgrounds, refugee backgrounds, First Nations backgrounds, and it's, it's like you're this family in a way, you know, like have you been like missing that sort of physical community of performance during this COVID time? Yeah, that is one thing that I guess COVID take away from mm. from artists, like, you know, mm. and and still like, you know, still you be able to like to do the to do the performance, but you're doing through a screen, like, you know, and you miss that like, you know, chat after you finish your performance, like, you know, talking to the audience. Like every event that you go or perform, you create one family member of an audience, like, you know, and that audience become, you know, a friend. And like, you know, like, so I, I kind of like missed that, like, you know, but I'm glad that, you know, um, the community of like, you know, poetry and the whole society that didn't give up, you know, because of COVID. Like, I, I'm glad we're still going on. We're still like writing and I'm glad for proud of with all the writers and, you know, readers and listeners for, like, you know, for having the courage to like, you know, to support each other, the audience supporting the artists, the audience bringing new, like new words into the audience um, ears. 
I think like I like yeah, I know because we've been using that word pandemic for so long. What I think like the whole world was going pandemic for so long. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I be calling COVID nineteen pandemic. I think for me, I think like there was already in a pandemic going on before COVID. There's a pandemic of racism that there is. Yeah, that no... that is like that is like in the blood of individuals. It's like I, I guess it's like we always try to ignore the existing things by blaming the things that come after. Like you know that we are really good at it, and we mm. humans that is one of our expertise. It was the opening lines of your poem that really just sent chills down my spine. I just love how fierce and defiant you are when you say when they tried to design my destiny I blocked the windows those lines really resonated for me because I think that's what my poem is about too like refusing to let them win you know being it's like we can build our own destinies our own futures and I love that hope that you speak to and that you know, community building, you know, we can still build and look after each other even during this pandemic, even if we're not physically together. And we can still just be proudly ourselves. And I really feel like my poem is sort of connected to yours in that energy. And my poem is called Access Denied. Access Denied a First Nations futurist poem. In the future, when we own our data, you want our language, access denied. Skin names, access denied. Statistics on home ownership, access denied. Requests for permission of cultural artifacts, access denied. Family history information, access denied. Medicinal plant uses, access denied. Groundwater, access denied. Sacred sites, access denied. Queer spirituality, access denied. Place names, access denied. Cultural leaders, access denied. Health records, access denied. Our kinship systems, access denied. Our blood, access denied. Our lives, access denied. That is such a beautiful poem, and I loved. I I think like I feel like I'm gonna get <laughs> shattered with the um with the with the title access denied, because I think that word is a very common word that we use every day of our lives, mm. but we don't know how words can impact the way we live. You know, like you, I've been. This poem has been in my head for a little while, maybe back until back since January. I needed the motivation of this November podcast to finish this poem. And um, I'll just share with you some of the things that I've been thinking about while I was writing this poem. Um, we're celebrating NADOC week in November this year instead of July because it's been pushed back because of COVID-19. And this year's theme is always was, always will be. And it's a theme that like really deeply resonates with me. The, those five words are just 
are very powerful. And I was thinking about um, in September, Rio Tinto destroyed Junkin Gorge, which is 46,000 year old Aboriginal sacred site in Western Australia. And uh, the traditional owners said that Rio Tinto gave them misleading information when they were trying to negotiate a halt to the blast. And in some cases gave them no information at all about what they were doing on site. When this story became known, so many people were so angry about how, you know, how does this happen? This 46,000 year old site uh, just how devastating it was to traditional owners. And there was this pressure on Rio Tinto. There were staff resignations. And uh, it's quite similar to the recent destruction of the sacred Yorta Yorta birthing trees by the Victorian government. Once you destroy a sacred site, you never can get it back. And it's extremely devastating and soul-destroying for those communities who are not only mourning themselves, but also for future generations who will no longer be able to access this. And I was thinking about how, how this story is not unique and there's so many communities, First Nations communities in Australia and all over the world that are facing these same battles and I was also thinking, because there's been some recent news stories about how stolen cultural artifacts in collections all over the world, there's pressures for the institutions to return our stuff all around the colonised world, um, but still at the same time, extractive colonisation is continuing. So you can't put a line in the sand and say colonisation is over. Um, and the exploitation and violation of peoples and land is over because it's still continuing. It just gets more and more sneaky. I try and be very hopeful in my approach, and that's why I, I write about just in the way that, like, say, Maya Angelou wrote and some of other really beautiful women poets of colour, of African-American heritage, of of First Nations heritage, of African heritage, write about the futures that we want to live in. That's what how I write as well. And so I have to be positive. And I think, you know, this is recent news, good news, that the Australian government has committed some money to support the return of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultural heritage to get it back from overseas and to the traditional owners. So there's hundreds of thousands of items of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultural heritage in overseas institutions, and the UK holds about a third of these objects. But they're in, you know, they're in the US, Canada, in Europe, they're all over the place. And I'm really hoping for the safe return of these items to be sung back home. Uh, many belong to my community as well, and I'm positive about a future where we can be sovereign people. We already are sovereign people, but we can feel like we are in control of our lives and we've, we have that authority and ownership over our own 
lives and uh, land, which is so important. I think my other favorite line is, our blood excess denied, our life excess denied. I won't say that we will be there being like, oh, we are the voice of the voiceless because everyone has a voice. Mm. It doesn't matter how they express it. Like, mm. you know, it is up to them, like, to express. They can just express their voice through an eye blink, like, you know, through, like, a head movement. People should be able to do that. What I always worry about is us not providing that platform, not people expressing their voices, us denying them a place to express that. That's so powerful. It really is. Nina Simone said, my back's strong and my hair, like, my hair is woolly. <laughs> Beautiful, yeah. I think that's a nice place to, to, <laughs> to end <laughs> on that quote from the Queen, Nina Simone. Do you have any, any further thoughts or things you want to say? I just think like you mentioned Maya Angelou and, mm. and I think I just love Maya. And um, I think other thing that always, actually this is what I was thinking while you were talking about, um, you know, secret sites, like, you know, being damaged and all that. Because for me, I, I try to listen back to music. I try to listen back to music and see like, you know, like all the writers, what they write, like, you know, when they were like, at our age mm. and then it's like a lot of writers uh, like songwriters and you know singers and uh, playwriters any form of entertainment I try to reflect the back of their work and I do think and I'm still thinking why are we writing about the same issue in the 21st century that is my question to the world like you know I agree. Yeah, you can look at that that work and be it's that same struggle, like you said, to to be free, you know, and you may have that physical freedom, but it's it's temporary and there's that mental, you know, you talked about that mental and slavery. And I think that's what a lot of what our favorite poets and sing singers and songwriters have been saying for so long. Like if I think of um and then thinking a lot about Ujuru Nunakul, beautiful uh, First Nations, very important poet. It was her 100th birthday last week. And you can open up her book. She was started, you know, she was writing in the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s. It's the same, you know, it's, it's, it couldn't be more relevant. We really need to keep reading that those who were like our literary elders and but also, yeah, we're continuing in their tradition. And um, I really just think that, you know, what you have to say is is so powerful and your journey to writing and your the what is yet to come for you, I'm excited um, to hear more of your words. Can I just ask one question? Uh, when can we expect a new book from you? I know I put you on the spot, but what have you been, like, what are you working towards something? My first book, I Will Rise, of course, I named after my angel's yeah, poem, yeah, I Still yeah. Rise. Hopefully, like by mid next year. Mm. I had a plans to publish a book this year, but all this, like, you know, um, the pandemic and mm all covered things and everything it's just like closes all the doors for everyone like so do all of us like artists to like but like but i hope like um 
at the end of like the beginning of next year or mid next year we'll be able to see another book in yes. the horizon are there certain themes that you just feel like you're circling you keep returning to when i when i got out of like christmas island i mm. i was done with sadness <laughs> yeah and when i'd say sadness not like because it's like i believe that also like you're human you can't be sad 24 hours you have feelings you got like you know you get to mix it up but i mean like like the things that you know worry me a lot which is like the freedom of human beings and like you know and as you know there's a lot of people still like you know behind australian offshore detention center or onshore like you know people will always be my prayer voice like you know if mm-hmm. i won't say like i'm their voice because they have their own voices and i don't like saying that cuz you can be someone's voice everyone has a voice and they can express it their own way because i've been part of the experience sometimes i feel like i can explain a little bit more their pain and mm-hmm. relating back to what i've experienced i wouldn't be wishing being somewhere else other than you know sydney on a gadigo land like you know and yeah. you know being able to have a life here but the next book it's i guess it's like full of joy and pain and appreciating it is full of hope with a, with a little dashes <laughs> of pain Well, the world will be very happy to have it in its hands. Thank you so much for joining us from Gadigal Land and being such a joy to talk to and for your beautiful poem which I will be reading over and over again. Uh thank you so much. Thank you so much for for like sharing your poem and you're in trouble. I don't know how I'm going to get this title out of my head in the oh. next couple of months <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> sorry about that the only yeah. place that tell access me access denied sometimes is my computer computer <laughs> <laughs> now you gave me another aspect of access denied <laughs> thank you for listening to extraordinary voices for extraordinary times don't forget to visit the ukp website www.ukp.com au to read all the poetry from the series and to find out more about our featured poets we hope you'll join us next month as omar saker discusses all new work with our guest lockman brown bye